Testing one, two, three. Testing one, two, three. This is Radio Free Mormon on the air, broadcasting behind enemy lines. Tonight's episode, the Sean Reyes lawsuit. Yes, there have been a flurry, as you know, of lawsuits being filed by various parties, most of them women, against Tim Ballard and Operation Underground Railroad, and we have covered those lawsuits. But now, in the last few days, a lawsuit has been filed not only against Tim Ballard and not only against Operation Underground Railroad, but also against Attorney General Sean Reyes, the current acting Attorney General of the state of Utah. And he being a defendant in this case, there's a lot of new material in these allegations in this lawsuit. It is filed by the same law firm that's representing the other individuals and has filed, I think, all the other lawsuits. And let me see if I can put it up here on the screen. There it is. Okay. And I'm going to see also if I can make it a little bit bigger for you. All right. So here's the... um. The complaint, it's Suzanne Whitehead is the name of the plaintiff versus Utah Attorney General Sean Reyes. Right there, first off, they list Utah Attorney General Sean Reyes and Timothy Ballard and also Operation Underground Railroad. There's their complaint. There's their jury demand. And here is what it says in the introduction. This cause of action arises out of defendant Utah Attorney General Sean Reyes unconstitutional suppression of plaintiff's right of free speech and defendants Tim Ballard's and OUR's conspiracy to silence a witness to Tim Ballard's and OUR's fraud and deception. Well, that's a very dense paragraph. I'm sure it will be unpacked in the rest of the complaint where they set forth all the facts. Now, this is a 1983 action brought under 42 USC section 1983 to redress the deprivation of plaintiffs clearly established rights as secured by the First Amendment to the United States Constitution. This is something we have not seen before, a 1983 action for this. So this will be interesting to find out what it is that's being alleged here. There's a number of other things that are put here that I'm just gonna skip. It's a rather lengthy complaint and I don't wanna take any more of your time than I absolutely have to. The parties, it'll tell us about the parties. I think we know who the parties are. Factual allegations, here's where we got, want to go. And here's a picture of Sean Reyes the attorney general and they have a quote from him rapping at the 2016 Republican national convention. Get too close. My words will send you mess with me. I'll get revenge. Yeah. Okay. Now, once again, I don't know exactly what that's doing in a lawsuit. It's not something that judges are going to think is anything other than an obstruction to getting to the facts and finding out what it is, is being alleged. This is being made, obviously, for public consumption. It does raise the question, though, that these lyrics, by the way, about being singed, is that if Tim Ballard right now could be considered a man on fire, has Sean Reyes been too close to not get burned? That's the question. And the other question that's going to be asked, I think, by this lawsuit is whether Sean Reyes has used his political office in order to help Tim Ballard perpetrate a fraud on people and or help Tim Ballard to put people in harm's way through negligence. Okay, we'll go on. 
Sean Reyes ran for state attorney general in 2012 against, okay, by the way, these I don't care about because all it is is how it is that Sean Reyes is the attorney general. Um, and you can check it out as you read through it and you'll see that's exactly what it is. Okay, now it's going to quote from his webpage. According to General Reyes' webpage, Reyes is the top law enforcement official in Utah charged with protecting consumers from those who abuse the law, period, end of quote. Okay, this is done once again for public consumption. What matters isn't what's on Sean Reyes' webpage or the irony of the situation or the dramatic juxtaposition of what it is that he's supposed to do versus what it is we're accusing him of doing. This is fluff, all right? from an attorney's point of view. It's gonna go on. Hopefully we'll get to some uh, facts soon. I cannot make bricks without straw. Sean Reyes claims that his office prioritizes the protection of businesses and consumers, particularly seniors, from white collar frauds and scams. Fraud schemes targeted at senior citizens vary in scope and scale and can come from trusted relationships or from unknown perpetrators across the country or even world. Once again, I don't care. In 2013, General Reyes became friends with Defendant Ballard. Wow, there's a picture. Looks like they're very close friends. Ballard is an American activist, speaker, and author. Ballard claims to have worked for the Central Intelligence Agency and is a special agent in the United States Department of Homeland Security. That looks like a good hug. Ballard, this is all Tim Ballard. Tim Ballard founded OUR in 2013. Ballard claims to be blessed by Tom Harrison, both directly and through Spear President Ken Krogh. Fascinating. We covered that in, I think, the last episode we did on these, um, these lawsuits. Um, a lot of this information is cumulative. There's a sense of copying and pasting from earlier lawsuits, which I would expect, especially since they're filed by the same law firm and attorney. So, um, but yeah. He claims to be blessed by Tom Harrison, claiming to anoint Ballard as a chosen one, not subject to the jurisdiction of government and church authorities. Yeah. From statements made on podcasts and at other events, Sean Reyes, I'm just going to call him Sean instead of general, um, a former bishop, a former bishop. What does that have to do with anything? Nothing. Okay, but I guess it sells, right? People are interested in the fact that Sean Reyes used to be a bishop. Or maybe he still is. Once a bishop, always a bishop, right? So from statements made on podcasts and at other events, John Reyes, a former bishop, apparently believes these anointing blessings and has treated Ballard as being above the jurisdiction of governments and church authorities. Okay, well, tell us what he did. Please, I'm begging you. OUR raised money in order to have conducted multiple sting operations to purportedly rescue trafficked women and children with ops being conducted outside the United States, okay? Many of these ops included wealthy men with no military training who wanted an experience vacation where they dropped into third world countries to rescue trafficked children with photo opportunities and stories in the local newspapers of their heroics, all the while flying first class, basically being an expensive cosplay for donors. They were doing so good up into that last part. While promotional and media materials made the ops appear to be paramilitary drop-ins to arrest traffickers and rescue children, what most ops consisted of was going to strip clubs and massage parlors across the world after flying first class to get there and staying at five-star hotels on boats and at VRBOs across the globe. 
These ops were a fundraising machine, though they were more show than substance, and the entire OUR enterprises were funded by donors for these ops, many of whom held bake sales and literally donated their widow's might to OUR and Tim Ballard. Okay, and by literally, we mean figuratively. This is one that was copied and pasted from an earlier complaint. I've had the same thought then. I didn't comment on it, but I'm seeing it now, and I am going to say it. Please, please, don't say literally when you don't mean it literally. Literally is supposed to indicate that what you're going to say actually happened, all right? But I don't think there were a lot of widows who were donating their might, their ancient, what was it, Roman or Aramaic coin, okay, over to Tim Ballard and OUR. All right. Thank you. Rant over. Ballard became the de facto and most recognized face of anti-child trafficking, which everyone agrees is the most noble of causes. As admitted to by Tim Ballard on his podcast with Sean Reyes, produced after Ballard's departure from OUR, Sean Reyes gave Tim Ballard credibility and vouched that his cosplay was real. Um, uh, I guess uh, here is Tim Ballard and saying, apparently, you got us launched because we had no credibility. Okay. As admitted to by Tim Ballard on his podcast with Sean Reyes, Sean Reyes acted as Tim Ballard's personal counsel and OUR's general counsel, all the while claiming to serve the people of Utah as the attorney general. Uh-oh. Is this a quote also from Tim Ballard? Man, guide us. Make sure we don't do something stupid that is going to set some horrible precedent and not allow us to work further. Well, is that what that says? Mm, I'm not sure I'm seeing it. Guide us? Oh, so that's, okay, man, guide us. So him saying that to his friend, who's also the attorney general, means that he's asking for legal counsel. Make sure we don't do something stupid that is going to set some horrible precedent and not allow us to work further. Okay, well, I don't know. Okay, I guess I see what they're saying. Um, through General through Sean Reyes' political connections and his law enforcement cover, Tim Ballard became a character of mythical proportions with unquestioned legitimacy. And here's another quote from Sean Reyes to Tim Ballard. I want to be on record today. You are the one history book should write about as being just like those great abolitionists throughout American history and our world history. Okay, I'd say that's pretty laudatory language. Sean Reyes and Tim Ballard formed an LLC in order to profit from a movie they were planning, the sequel to Sound of Freedom titled Cry of Freedom. Uh, I'm not sure there's a release date that's been <laughs> set for that yet. <laughs> Cry of Freedom, with reasonable belief and suspicion that Sean Reyes is an unnamed partner. Okay. Um, so I think what they're saying here is that they're not claiming that they necessarily know that Sean Reyes is an unnamed partner, but they're saying with that they, they have reasonable belief and suspicion that that's the case. And hopefully they'll be able to figure it out from their point of view. Hopefully they will through the discovery process. Sean Reyes wrote his role into the screenplay of Cry of Freedom. Oh, this is the one that hasn't been made yet. See Exhibit V for full email and manuscript. Oh, so we get something here in the, um, the actual complaint. Here's some text. Proposed scene for Cry of Freedom. This is awesome. Love it. I'll pass it on to Alejandro. 
So the proposed edits, by the way, this is going to be about 60 pages long. I can't read every word and every single text that's going to be um, included and put up on the screen. But I am going to uh, trust the attorneys that what they're going to be quoting in the body of their lawsuit is going to be referenced properly in the, uh, the text. Um, going back to the lawsuit, the proposed edits to the script were very self-aggrandizing to General Reyes, to Sean Reyes. And then they have this, you've got to read that. Okay. I'm so sorry. If he actually wrote this, it says David Reyes. Oh, maybe they changed his name, his first name. Okay. Oh, uh, Capital Office of Utah Attorney General, David Reyes, early 40s, energetic, Hawaiian, Hispanic, Asian, of larger build, former MMA fighter, now elected official in conservative suit, behind large rosewood desk in ceremonial office, flanked by bookshelves of law books, awards, and tribute gifts from world travels, sitting tall and talking animatedly on the phone. Really? Your HS guys, your HSI guys were critical on our AG task force. We couldn't have arrested Rax without your help and certainly couldn't have prosecuted him if you hadn't deferred deportation, Frosty. Thank you. <laughs> Book him, Dano. Murder one. Oh, my goodness. Yeah, don't quit your day job. He may be quitting his day job. We'll have to see what happens. Uh, Sean Reyes edits also reveal that Sean knew what his job was as it related to Tim Ballard and OUR in fixing their problems and giving him credibility. Oh, so here's another, another excerpt from this uh, the screenplay. So Frosty says, and you're going to win again with like 75% and then one day become governor and then on to the White House. <laughs> and this is talking to the Attorney General. Everyone knows it. You are one of the Republican Party four rising stars for hell's sakes. And the Attorney General, David Reyes, <laughs> says, but how is my political resume going to help Ballard take down traffickers in Colombia? And Frosty says, <laughs> damn the presidency, we've got to save some kids. Frosty says, well, it's not really the takedown per se where your importance kicks in. It's if the op doesn't go so well where you would be most valuable. The attorney general says, if it doesn't go so well, the likelihood of that seems overwhelmingly high. And that's a confusing sentence. I think that needs to be worked on a little. I don't know if he means that the likelihood is high that it will go well or that it won't go well. Um, but Frosty says, yes, but if anything goes wrong and he somehow survives the op and the cartels, Ballard, if he somehow survives the op and the cartels and the entire South Vietnamese army or North Vietnamese army, I'm sorry. I'm just getting a flashback to Rambo 2 here. Yes, but if anything goes wrong and he somehow survives the op and the cartels, Ballard would be crucified by our own government here. And there's nothing I could do to protect him. Wow. Okay, so the attorney general says, so I become a blocker, I'm the insurance, but why do I need to be physically on the op? Can't I just make things happen from my office? And I think that's a separate place and a separate thing. Okay, and uh, <laughs> I may just actually read this. This is just too funny. I was gonna skip through it, but um, yeah. So the attorney general then becomes the blocker. It doesn't really 
make it clear here whether the attorney general agrees to do that. But it kind of indicates that maybe he would, since that's the most important thing, more important than him becoming the president, is helping Ballard rescue those kids if he survives the op and the cartels. Okay. Here's Frosty again. If you aren't on the op, and this is to the, the attorney general in the script of the forthcoming uh, movie. <laughs> we'll see if that one goes straight to DVD. But you know something else that this is showing to me? Not just the attorney general. I mean, this is a fictional it's a fictional thing, okay? I know they got to try and pull whatever connections they can. But this is fictional. But they're saying it wouldn't be fictional for except for the fact that they kind of subscribe to it. Maybe. But what I see is this mindset that goes on within and what's already going on within OUR, which is here's Tim Ballard. If he sur somehow survives the op and the cartels, Ballard would be crucified by our own government here. And there's nothing I could do to protect him. So he needs help from well-placed political figures. This is the entire mindset. And so in a sense, I would imagine that a number of supporters of Tim Ballard, who remain supporters of Tim Ballard, are seeing in this the fulfillment of prophecy almost, and that he must be chosen of God because of the persecution and the fact that he knew the persecution was coming. Okay, back to the script. Frosty says, if you aren't on the op, it will be too easy to marginalize as some wacky conspiracy. Got to give us credibility. Hmm. With you, the feds are not going to be able to come down on him. I'm sure it's Tim Ballard, like a ton of bricks. Tired metaphor. No matter what happens, not with a former young lawyer of the year for the United States. <laughs> Tell me Sean Reyes was not the young lawyer of the year for the United States at some point in his life. No, of course, the feds would not come down on Tim Ballard like a ton of bricks. Not as long as we have the former young lawyer of the year for the United States. <laughs> Rax. Apparently, this is a character, a recurring character. Rax already made you a folk hero in the human trafficking world. This is still Frosty talking to the fictional attorney general in the script of the upcoming movie Cry of Freedom. <laughs> If the op goes sideways, you make a couple phone calls to D.C. and Ballard does not get tattooed. And if the op goes well and some bureaucrats get jealous and try to take credit for it or undermine Tim, you make the calls and Ballard gets the praise he deserves with no D.C. landmines. Wow, that sounds like a win-win for Ballard. <laughs> Regardless of whether the, the operation is successful or not. Okay. Uh, whether or not it's successful. Attorney General now says, you really like this guy, don't you? But he just left you for the super friends. Why do you care so much about him, Frosty? <laughs> You're going to leave us hanging? We're not going to get to find out why Frosty cares so much about Tim Ballard? Okay, we got to wait for the movie to come out. That'll be some wait. Continuing. Through Sean Reyes, Tim Ballard was appointed as a special advisor to Ivanka Trump in October 2017. Okay, so here they're going to start uh, showing all the access that Sean Reyes used with his political office in order to introduce him to other political figures. Um, 
through Sean Reyes, Ballard was invited by President Trump to join the White House Anti-Trafficking Advisory Board. Through Sean Reyes, Ballard was appointed to the White House Public-Private Partnership Advisory Council to End Human Trafficking in 2019. Okay. Sean Reyes even agreed to not run for the United States Senate, allowing his friend Tim Ballard to run, asking for Ballard's input on his statement to the press once he found out that Senator Mitt Romney was not going to run for re-election. That's right. That happened. And here we've got some text messages. And uh, I'm just going to put them up there on the screen for you to look at. And if you want to take a screenshot, screen grab, you can. And, you know, enlarge it or whatever you have to do if you're doing it on your phone. And uh, let's go on to this. Here's another one. Here's a tweet from Sean Reyes. These are just texts that support the allegations that they just made. Going on, Sean Reyes has repeatedly participated in alleged ops in Colombia, Mexico, Haiti, and others, one of which was well-publicized in Utah, where the couple's ruse was used by Ballard at least once. Oh, and here's another quote from Tim Ballard to Sean Reyes on this uh, YouTube podcast. This will be great to bring you on ops. You are the highest-ranking official to consult us. You are one of the highest-ranking officials in the USA. <laughs> Tim Ballard to Attorney General Sean Reyes. Okay. Yeah. Well, look, he's uh, he's one of the highest ranking officials in Utah. That's true. But the USA is a bit of a stretch. All right. Um, And here's Sean Reyes. Okay. And yeah. So just showing the close relationship there, the friendship. I think the first photo of the hug pretty well established that. These ops gave Sean Reyes political credibility that allowed him to act as a blocker, quashing complaints brought against Ballard and OUR with the cover of the top law enforcement officer in the state of Utah. That whole long thing is supposed to be, that's Sean Reyes. They're talking about him again, okay? So that Ballard could carry out his purposes to raise staggering amounts of money and funnel it for his sexual escapades and his for-profit companies. All right, so the allegation here is that Sean Reyes has political credibility that allowed, allowed him to act as a blocker and quash complaints, all right? And because he was quashing complaints, it allowed Ballard to continue to um, fundraise for his, uh, what they call his sexual escapades and his for-profit companies. All right, so hopefully, I'm sure they'll have some evidence of that, or at least some allegations of having evidence of that. Here's another quote from the podcast. This is Tim Ballard speaking to Sean Reyes. We didn't have credibility. How is this real? Well, I was skeptical, but the Attorney General of Utah said to not be that it is real. As the top law enforcement official of Utah, Sean Reyes knew or should have known that the ops were fraudulent to the citizens of Utah and placed the untrained operators, also citizens of the state of Utah, in danger both from Ballard's sexual appetites and from the prostitutes that Ballard was bringing into the fake ops. Hmm. Okay. Excuse me. I mean, that, that's an interesting allegation. He's the attorney general and he should have known, he knew or should have known that the ops were fraudulent to the citizens of Utah and place the untrained operators also citizens of the state of Utah in danger. In fact, when the recent complaints of Ballard's sex abuse came into Sean Reyes' office, his staff helped 
Tim Ballard deny and discredit the women who complained as documented by a recording that is in plaintiff's counsel's possession between Sean Reyes' top fundraiser and consultant? I think that's big. If it actually says that. And there are places where they've kind of um, described the content, say, of a, a letter or an email or a text. Sometimes they describe it and they're stretching and it, what's in there doesn't necessarily support how much they're interpreting it. So that's why I have to be very careful here because they say they got a recording. I don't know if they're, you know, exaggerating the contents in it, but that's going to be an interesting recording to hear. In fact, when the recent complaints of Ballard's sex abuse came into Sean Rea's office, his staff, his staff helped Tim Ballard deny and discredit the women who complained as documented by a recording that is in plaintiff's counsel's possession between Sean Reyes, top fundraiser and consultant. Oh, wow. This is getting very far removed, isn't it? It'd be great to have a, a, a tape of something, but it sounds like it's not a tape of Sean Reyes. It's a tape. It's a tape of a conversation between two people who are uh, associated with Sean Reyes, his top fundraiser and his consultant. Okay, so we're getting hearsay upon hearsay here. Maybe it's not that exciting a phone call. Time will tell. As the top law enforcement officer in the state of Utah, Sean Reyes gave unwarranted credibility to Ballard and OUR, wearing a bulletproof vest to fundraising activities, proclaiming the legitimacy of OUR and promoting the paramilitary image of OUR. Okay, and there's a picture, and I think we've all seen this picture before, but yes, there is Sean Reyes, and he's got the American flag on his vest. Uh, and it's put there the correct way. Carden. <laughs> if you just want to take note, that was a little inside joke between me and Carden Ellis. Um, he's got the American flag there. He's got O-U-R, Operation Underground Railroad. And underneath it, um, he says police. Uh, it's got, he has his badge. So this looks pretty official. This looks pretty AG approved in this photo. Yep, there it is. There's a close-up. So there's the, the flag, O-U-R, and police attorney. He's got his badge right there. And it probably says general underneath the badge, right? Attorney general, police badge. And that's one of the issues that's going to be there is that is is the question of what, did Sean Reyes, whatever he did, did he do it as part of his role as the attorney general or did he do it separate and apart from his role in office as attorney general? And we can all think of clear examples on both sides, but usually the truth is closer to the middle. But this looks very much, I mean, it's hard to get around the fact that you've got the OUR patch right above his attorney general badge in this photo. Okay. As the top law enforcement officer in the state of Utah, Sean Reyes gave Ballard access to the upper echelons of foreign governments. As the top law enforcement officer in the state of Utah, Sean Reyes, a former bishop in the Mormon church, let's say it again, gave Ballard access to the upper leadership of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. And Sean Reyes allowed Tim Ballard to publish a photo of the two of them publicly praying for a supposed op. So Sean Reyes allowed Tim Ballard to publish. Okay. So I think what they're alleging is that permission was asked and granted. 
Mm, okay. Looks like maybe it's on Instagram. Um, so there's Tim Ballard, 89. There's Sean Reyes, I presume. Looks like him. Profile. Over here is uh, Tim Ballard. And they are both praying. And here's the Nazarene fund in between them. And actually framed by their praying bodies. Good picture. Sean Reyes is a member of the National Association of Attorneys General. Attorneys Generals? Is that true? Okay, I'm not going to get off on that. <laughs> I think it would be Attorneys General. <laughs> Sorry. Okay, Sean Reyes, as a member of the National Association of Attorneys General, knew that he was responsible for ensuring that OUR was complying with legal requirements, that their assets are properly managed and spent, and that directors and officers fulfill their fiduciary obligations. General Reyes is also responsible for ensuring nonprofit funds are used as required by nonprofit law. Has he checked out the Mormon church? I wonder about that issue. General Reyes, they're getting away out there. I'll start again. General Reyes is also responsible for ensuring nonprofit funds are used as required by nonprofit law and being accountable to the federal government and stakeholders to only use funds in accordance with their mission and 501c3 tax status. Okay. I guess he's too busy saving kids to go after the Mormon church, which is the chief offender. Sean Reyes' unofficial office is Max Place, where Sean Reyes, after the person buys a membership, is given access to discuss issues with Sean Reyes on a leather chair that Kanye West allegedly purchased for General Reyes, much like a mob boss runs his organization in a movie? Where the, how the hell did we get there? I mean, <laughs> we go from paragraph four. Is that the next page? Yes, it is. It's the next paragraph. Okay. Uh, we just went from talking about General Reyes is responsible for ensuring that you know, nonprofit laws followed by nonprofits with the use of nonprofit funds to his unofficial office is Max Place. I don't know where Max Place is. Where Sean Reyes, after the person buys a membership. So I'm guessing Max Place is a person that you buy a membership to. Is it a health or fitness place? Where Sean Reyes is given access to discuss issues with Sean Reyes on a leather chair. That doesn't sound like a, okay. That Kanye West allegedly purchased for Sean Reyes, much like a mob boss runs his organization in a movie. I have no idea where we are. Okay. Um, okay, so there's some texts and a picture. All right, Max Place with Sean Reyes. Yeah, yeah. Sean Reyes gave Tim Ballard, okay, I'm just going to, let me say what should be obvious, I think. Uh, I have no idea where this came from. I have no idea what it's talking about. And I don't know how anybody could be expected. The one you want to understand this is the judge. That's the one you're writing for. And I try and make it a practice. And I'll tell you right now, this is one of the, the tricks that I've developed over, over three decades of practicing law. When I am writing something that I'm submitting to the court and it's going to be read by the judge, I work extra hard to make sure that it is so clear that even a judge can understand it 
the first time through because that's all I'm going to get is one time through, if that much. So I've got to be clear. This is leaving the reader wondering what just hit them. Maybe it was Kanye West. Okay. Sean Reyes gave Tim Ballard access to the conservative media platform, including Glenn Beck. That was very important. An American conservative political commentator, radio host, entrepreneur, and television producer. Glenn Beck donated significant amounts of money to begin OUR, and along with Sean Reyes, who should have been looking at arresting and prosecuting Tim Ballard after the sexual assaults and fundraising being thrown upon the citizens of the state of Utah by Tim Ballard. Oh, my Lord. Okay. Someone really needs to restrain this person's parenthetical comments. Okay. Glenn Beck donated significant amounts of money to begin OUR, and along with Reyes, became a fixer for Tim Ballard when the extent of his sexual depravity became known to the Mormon church. Okay, so what I think what they're trying to say is uh, that Sean Reyes became a fixer for Tim Ballard along with Glenn Beck. Well, Tim Ballard, when they extent of his, okay, but this is Glenn Beck. Yeah, this is the email. We read this before. It was included in a prior lawsuit. Yeah, okay. All right. Um, documentaries were made of Tim Ballard and O-U-R, and in 2023, a feature film produced by Angel Studios called The Sound of Freedom was released with Attorney General Reyes being listed as an associate producer. That's significant. Thank you for giving us that. And here they have the LinkedIn pages or whatever it is where Sean Reyes shows himself as Utah Attorney General and um, associate producer, Sound of Freedom as well. He's very proud of that. The film claimed to portray the work Tim Ballard has done, and the movie has been hugely successful across the globe, adding to the myth of Tim Ballard and OUR. Oh, yeah, there's the, there's the poster. John Reyes was traveling around the state and across the world for premieres of the movie, including a March 29th, 2023 premiere in Provo, Utah, and then all these other premieres. Let's see, in Bronze Buffalo Resort Club, in Nashville, Tennessee, Lehigh, Utah, New Jersey, uh, with Donald Trump, and also in Japan, and also in the Philippines. So he was going a lot of places for these premieres. Um, I don't know who is holding down the fort at the AG's office in Utah, but this lawsuit will probably want to explore that as well. Sean Reyes is refusing to release his calendar to the press because it is believed that it will show how little time he spends in his attorney general position and also the locations where he spends his time. Okay. Well, it's an elected office. He can spend his time anywhere he wants. He is his own boss. The only uh, alternative is for the voters to vote him out of office or in an extreme case to have a recall if that's permitted in Utah. Ballard confirmed that General Reyes was an associate executive producer of the movie and that Angel Studios should pay for his travel to the premieres, which is believed to either require Sean Reyes to disclose such a financial interest to his constituents or disclose the travel payments as a gift. Hmm. Yeah. Okay. Then they have the text demonstrating that. There's a nice picture. Was this at uh, Nashville or something? I'm just guessing because of the cowboy hats. Sean Ballard, no, Tim Ballard, excuse me, asked Sean to go with him to the Sound of Freedom premiere in Ecuador. And there we've got the, um, the text. But he couldn't make it. He was in Spain. Sean was. Okay. 
Sean Reyes also asked for Angel Studios and Tim Ballard to intervene with the Philippine government in order to obtain the opportunity to give a private screening to high-ranking government officials in the Philippines. Okay. So, and there's the text of that. It is believed that offering foreign officials as the Attorney General of Utah a private screening of a movie in which General Reyes had a financial interest may be a violation of the Foreign Corrupt Practices Act and shows the links that General Reyes was willing to go to to help his friend Ballard and to make money from the sound of freedom. Yeah, uh, I think that's a stretch on the Foreign Corrupt Practices Act. They signal that they think it's a stretch too because they say maybe. Yeah, maybe, but yeah, it, there's certainly issues of conflict of interest um, abounding here. Sean Reyes knew well before enduring all the sound of freedom globetrotting with Ballard that complaints about OUR and Tim Ballard had and were coming into the Attorney General's office. And it was determined that the Davis County Attorney's office would conduct a criminal investigation of Tim Ballard and OUR as Sean had a conflict of interest because of his involvement and support of Tim Ballard and OUR. Yeah, and all that makes sense. It should have been conflicted out of his office. He should not have been involved in any way with that investigation. Against this backdrop of the power dynamic of Sean Reyes, Tim Ballard, OUR, and others, plaintiff, Suzanne Whitehead, remember she's the plaintiff in this, plaintiff was at all relevant times the executive director of a nonprofit organization working extensively around the world to alleviate poverty through sustainable development programs and responding to global crises. One such county and project was in Nepal, fighting among, uh, inner alia means among other things, inner alia child trafficking. Okay, so that's Suzanne Whitehead, who while all this is going, is doing her executive director nonprofit organization work. And I guess you're not going to say what the organization was. So in 2015, a huge earthquake destroyed Nepal. Plaintiff started looking at sending a crisis team to Nepal to help. Plaintiff came in contact with a woman who claimed to know a lot of people, was planning an aid mission to Nepal. She also told Suzanne Whitehead that she was planning on going with members of OUR to scout out potential places to put rescued girls aftercare and invited Suzanne Whitehead to join them. I'm keep saying Suzanne Whitehead every time it says plaintiff because I want to really lock it down for me that this is who we're talking about. Finally, she enters the scene. Um, Ed Smart, Ed Smart traveled to Nepal on behalf of OUR. Suzanne Whitehead accepted and shortly after accepted. Oh, I guess accepted the offer of a potential place to put rescued girls. Okay. Plaintiff accepted, and shortly after arriving, it was clear that this woman had never been to Nepal and had no idea what she was doing. Since Suzanne Whitehead and Ed Smart were only there for a short time, they split from the group after a few days all together and started evacuating shelters in the situation on their own. Suzanne Whitehead became close with Ed Smart and his travel companion and found a few rescue shelters and NGOs that they visited while in the country together. Ed Smart had to leave, and Suzanne Whitehead agreed to stay a few days longer in Nepal by herself to continue the evaluation and represent the Smarts and OUR 
at a few more shelters and organizations. Elizabeth, I keep saying Elizabeth and I apologize. Suzanne Whitehead was able to identify. All of the shelters that Suzanne Whitehead contacted and visited had the same response. They could not take any more girls because they were already full and didn't have enough resources. It became apparent to Suzanne Whitehead that more rescues were not needed unless aftercare and shelter was committed to and done in tandem since there was nowhere for newly rescued children to sustainably go. And Suzanne Whitehead relayed this information to Ed Smart. After the trip to Nepal, OUR sent out a newsletter about the trip to Nepal. I bet it was glowing. The newsletter explained the work the group had done in Nepal and about the Days for Girls outreach that Suzanne Whitehead had taught at a local Nepali school while there. The newsletter incorrectly claimed that the OUR group had been working with trafficking victims, which did not happen at any time during the trip. I knew it was going to be glowing. Suzanne Whitehead contacted OUR about the error in the newsletter. She was there. She knew it was not correct. OUR responded and claimed that it was a mistake and some intern had written it. Some rogue intern. <laughs> Suzanne Whitehead started talking to Ed Smart more about what he was trying to accomplish in Nepal and about the discrepancies noted within the OUR organization and lack of commitment to sustainability or long-term care for rescued victims. See, that's the problem. When you have the long-term care for rescued victims, there's no sizzle, to coin a term. The sizzle is in the rescue. The sizzle is in the op. The sizzle is in the arrest. After that, nobody cares because there's no sizzle. It's critically important, of course, in the real world. But as far as the public goes, they don't care so much. Um, okay. Mr. Smart told Suzanne Whitehead that he was trying to get OUR to focus on aftercare, but was facing a lot of pushback from Tim Ballard. No sizzle. Mr. Smart also confided in Suzanne Whitehead, that he felt that a lot of the OUR organization was dishonest. He did not feel comfortable with how Ballard operated and what was said in his movie, Operation Toussaint, and the presentations he gave. Okay. Uh, I made the face I did when the allegation about Mr. Smart saying to Suzanne Whitehead, or at least she saying that he said to her, that he felt that a lot of the OUR organization was dishonest. I mean, completely objectionable. It's fine to put it in a complaint, whatever you want, go ahead. But that's not going to come close to being admitted in a courtroom in front of a jury. Okay, so uh, Mr. Smart told Suzanne Whitehead he felt sick when he watched the movie Operation Toussaint because Ballard made it seem like OUR had rescued the girls in the film, but he knew someone else had rescued them. Really? Hmm. Suzanne Whitehead and her co-worker met with OUR a few times about working with OUR to help them vet shelters and place rescued children sustainably with quality aftercare and long-term culturally appropriate resources and care. However, nothing resulted from those discussions. At that point in time, OUR hired a new director of aftercare who had insufficient experience to perform her job. I wonder if that was Janet Toussaint. I said Toussaint. Janet Resson, excuse me, the psychic. Remember, she got made the executive director of uh, 
or was it the one with families? I can't remember. They have so many little uh, companies with the Operation Underground Railroad Empire. Excuse me. A little bit of refreshment there. Um, being unable to get OUR to focus on recovery in a manner that Mr. Smart felt was needed, he quit his job with OUR and stopped the pending merger of the Elizabeth Smart Foundation with OUR. Boom. Okay, that's big. That's big. By the way, I'm sure every, you don't need me to tell you that Ed Smart is Elizabeth Smart's father. Okay. And if you don't know the backstory on Elizabeth uh, Smart, just go ahead and Google Elizabeth Smart Mormon kidnapping, and you'll find out everything there is to know. Mr. Smart did not want to be associated with or have the Elizabeth Smart Foundation be part of an organization whose first priority was not aftercare. Suzanne Whitehead agreed with Mr. Smart, and she also lost any desire to have anything to do with OUR in the future. Mr. Smart ultimately donated with his own funding from the Elizabeth Smart Foundation to the Nepali shelter suggested by Suzanne Whitehead. Oh, I guess the money went somewhere else. A few months later, Suzanne Whitehead went back to Nepal and created a program there to help with rebuilding after the earthquake and to help one of the shelters. At that point, a contact in the United States contacted Suzanne Whitehead and forwarded a blog post by OUR to Suzanne Whitehead and asked, hey, isn't this your shelter? OUR had written a fake blog post about the partner shelter and the girls there. Hmm. This post was distributed to their mailing list as a newsletter and also posted as an Instagram post to their social media. OUR showed pictures of the shelter, which should never have been disclosed, and used the victims' real names without their consent, which was incredibly dangerous and against the shelter's policy. OUR also embellished their stories to sound worse, changing the story from the highlighted victim from being sexually assaulted to being sexually trafficked, even though OUR knew it to be untrue. Suzanne Whitehead was incredibly angry at OUR, yeah, I'll bet, and showed the local Nepali shelter director what OUR had done. The shelter director was also angry, and she told Suzanne Whitehead that it was not a coincidence because OUR had just contacted her and informed her that they were actually back in Nepal. Surprise! Guess who's coming to dinner? And there's some text messages. OUR had asked the shelter if they could come by the next day to make a fundraising video of the children in the shelter's care. Suzanne Whitehead and the shelter director decided to invite the OUR representatives to an event that the shelter was having the next day so that Suzanne Whitehead and her co-worker could confront the OUR representatives about what they had done. Suzanne Whitehead, having had a previous experience with OUR's dishonesty, decided to record the conversation on her phone to have proof of what was said to them. During the conversation, the three OUR representatives, led by Damien, who seems to sort of just come out of nowhere, like Damien will every once in a while, led by Damien, confirmed that they had lied and they started texting someone immediately to get the dishonest content taken down from their website and social media. 
The OUR representatives blamed it on an intern slash volunteer who misunderstood the field notes. Silly volunteer. But then the OUR representatives admitted that they were ready to quit because they were so frustrated with how much OUR lies and manipulates. They also admitted that the parties and things Ballard was doing were creating demand for trafficking and that the ops did not cost $50,000 as Ballard claimed. The OUR representatives also admitted that there had been a raid in Nepal, but they had no idea where the girls rescued in that raid ended up. The OUR representatives had come to the event because they wanted to make a private fundraising video of the girl that they had lied about in their blog slash newsletter. Suzanne Whitehead asked the OUR representatives if they had rescued so many girls, why could they not just use one of those videos? That's a good question. OUR had no answers to that question and left the event. They then texted the shelter director to apologize and try and set up another meeting with her to discuss what had happened. And there's the text. The shelter was very upset with OUR as the story was completely false and they had re-exploited a victim and used the girl's story without permission. The head of the shelter was very angry with OUR and had a meeting, including herself, Suzanne Whitehead's co-workers and OUR's representatives, Damien, which I think now has a different spelling, and Cody. Okay, we have not been introduced to these people in this lawsuit. In that meeting, Damien admitted that OUR does not know what they are doing. Okay, Damien Cody obviously being two of the three representatives. Damien also admitted that what OUR did was unforgivable. OUR learned at this meeting that the story running on the internet about this victim re-traumatized the victim. The head of the shelter told OUR that OUR was fraudulent and that OUR is not working for a good cause. They are only for the fundraising and only for publicity. Okay. I mean, a lot of this is really opinion stuff that isn't fact-laden. Okay. Kind of subjective. It's interesting. I'd like to hear the tape. Plaintiff was very upset about how OUR abused the delicate relationships she had cultivated over months and that this horrible thing had happened to an innocent shelter because she had originally introduced OUR to them when she came with Ed Smart. Okay, so that's Suzanne Whitehead. That is the plaintiff in the lawsuit. Okay, I can understand why she would be upset about that. Suzanne Whitehead was disgusted and embarrassed that the shelter had trusted someone she brought to them because they trusted her and that that same group OUR would try to make money off and exploit the vulnerable children and staff that she deeply cared about and had personal relationships with. Mm -hmm. After returning to the United States, plaintiff felt compelled to get the truth out by posting on social media whenever OUR came up on her feeds or when she was asked if she recommended OUR so that donors and the public could know how OUR was fraudulently operating. I'll bet she drew attention. OUR complained at the meeting with the shelter director and plaintiff's co-workers that she, Suzanne Whitehead, was making this even worse by speaking up about it. The head of the shelter, all right, the head of the shelter defended Suzanne Whitehead from OUR's attack, saying that she's helping to us 24 hours. She's wearing our Nepali clothes. She's eating our Nepali 
food. The head of the shelter demanded an official apology from OUR to the victim in their official blog. Tim Ballard at first acted humbly, accepting responsibility. In fact, Ballard offered the shelter $5,000 to cover up the fact that they re-exploited this young woman, to which the head of the shelter declined the money and responded, sorry, our girls are not for sale, which is strikingly similar to the Sound of Freedom slogan that God's children are not for sale. OUR had promised assistance. There it is right there. And there's Jim Caviezel, who may or may not be reconsidering the wisdom of his choice of playing this particular role. Um, he's probably crying all the way to the bank. That was a huge, huge blockbuster movie. Amazing what's happening. But the fact that there was basically no facts really whatsoever in it. And yet, what a following, what a hit, what a surprise hit for the summer. So Tim Ballard had offered $5,000 to the, the shelter, which they declined. Okay, and she says, sorry, our girls are not for sale. The allegation apparently being that he borrowed that expression for the tagline for his movie. OUR had promised assistance to the shelter more than once before, but never followed through, saying it needed to make more content of their children in order to raise money to then donate to them and help them in the future. However, behind Suzanne Whitehead's back, Ballard was going to full attack mode with her supervisor, which caused significant anxiety and embarrassment to Suzanne Whitehead. Suzanne Whitehead followed Ballard on a Facebook Live presentation where he promised viewers that he knew where every single rescued girl was located, as Suzanne Whitehead knew from Nepal, where his own jump team had just told her they had lost the girls right after the raid. She knew this was a lie, and she commented that in the Facebook Live comments. Oh, yeah, she's definitely drawing attention. Others began reporting their experiences with OUR by responding that OUR was dishonest. OUR representatives immediately called Suzanne Whitehead's office to confirm that she was actually an employee of the nonprofit she was working for. The OUR rep on the phone laughed and told Suzanne Whitehead, her employer, that she had just committed a huge mistake. OUR claimed that Suzanne Whitehead had lied in front of thousands and needed to make a public apology or that OUR would take legal action against her. The board chair of Suzanne Whitehead's employer was a lawyer, and at first he agreed that the truth should come to light. However, after seeing the threats and engaging with OUR in private conversations without, the, without Suzanne Whitehead present, he changed his stance and said he did not want to engage in costly litigation to fight the great Tim Ballard and O-U-R. Oh, it's disappointing. Suzanne Whitehead was instructed that she should just focus on finding a way to work together and try to play nice to help O-U-R do better work to help the people around the world and, cause, and causes that she cared about. Suzanne Whitehead's supervisor said O-U-R was too big to take on in a fight and that he wanted to just smooth things over with OUR. Tim Ballard went to lunch with Suzanne Whitehead's supervisor a few times and became buddies and promised him that he would and promised him that he would shut Suzanne White, Whitehead up. Okay, it is not clear, promised him, supervisor and became buddies and promised him. I'm not sure if is that Tim Ballard? It's got to be the supervisor promising that to Tim Ballard. Okay. Um, Suzanne Whitehead was traumatized and scared 
watching girls get re-exploited by an organization claiming to have them to save them and being constantly contacted by the shelter to stand up for them since they could not do anything from Nepal about what had been done to them. Her supervisor required her to apologize to Ballard for her posts. Okay. Relationship between OUR and Suzanne Whitehead organization. Excuse me. The relationship between OUR and, oh, Ms. Whitehead's organization deteriorated. The next year, Suzanne Whitehood was in Uganda when someone messaged her, messaged her OUR's latest blog post. The blog post was about how OUR had painted a shelter and had done a rescue in Uganda. With Suzanne Whitehead's knowledge from Nepal, she was convinced that she would find OUR's lies in that blog post. From the pictures and directions in the blog post, she was able to find the spot and talk to the staff of the organization OUR claimed to be working with. The organization was one that rescued children from child marriages and child sacrifice, but not sex trafficking. The staff at the organization did not know anything about OUR, and the building they painted was an empty building. Does that mean that OUR did paint a building? Okay, I think so, but it was an empty building. Suzanne Whitehead was finally able to talk to the finance person of the organization who confirmed that someone from OUR had come through and had paid for a tank of gas to drive to the teenage girl's home and pick her up to take home and was supporting the girl's school fees that they, the organization, had taken from the marriage totaling a few hundred dollars. This was a far cry from the $50,000 to $100,000 raid that Tim Ballard was claiming online and telling everyone Suzanne Whitehead was lying about. Later, Suzanne Whitehead fell in love with and became engaged to a foreign national who was a refugee. She and her fiancé began the process of obtaining immigration status with a visa that should have taken an estimated five to eight months. During this time, OUR started exploding on Ms. Whitehead's social media timelines as Tim Ballard had started to capitalize on the Save Our Children bandwagon. Having personal firsthand knowledge of the deceitful tactics and misuse of funds by OUR, Suzanne Whitehead rightfully believed her personal integrity was compromised if she looked like she supported OUR on her social media. Plaintiff was receiving constant messages asking if she supported and recommended OUR as an organization to trust and donate to. Uh-oh. <laughs> that puts her between a rock and a hard place. On the one hand, she's like involved with this organization because she has to be, because her boss makes her, it makes her apologize. And on the other hand, she's getting messages from people asking if she supported and recommended OUR as an organization to trust and donate to, which she doesn't. So what does she do? I bet she's going to tell the truth. This was a very upsetting moral dilemma for plaintiff, Ms. Whitehead, who felt that she could not ignore the incoming inquiries of well-intentioned people genuinely wanting to help children escape trafficking. She shared that she did not have good personal experiences with OUR and she did not trust or recommend it. See, I knew she was going to tell the truth. This is going to be bad. Ms. Whitehead grew increasingly frustrated with OUR's fundraising and exploitation of and lies to the well-meaning people in her community as they were stealing from people who thought they were donating to saving sex trafficking victims. So Ms. Whitehead responded to a few tweets that she saw. We'll give that a D minus for that paragraph. The next day, Ms. Whitehead got an email from OUR threatening her for speaking ill of OUR 
and demanding her to stop and to respond so OUR could decide their next steps. And there's uh, apparently the, uh, the email. The OUR representative attached a screenshot of plaintiff's tweet from that week and included screenshots of all her comments from the previous conflict years, the previous conflict years earlier. Okay. Which was extremely unsettling knowing Ms. Whitehead was being watched. Unsettling to her knowing she was being watched and stalked on various platforms by numerous unknown OUR staff and supporters. And that materials were being compiled over multiple years to threaten and use against her. On the other hand, it is public information. Ms. Whitehead was scared to receive this email. What did it say again? Threatening her for speaking ill of OUR. You know, this would be a very important email. Let's see what it says. Dear uh, to her, I'm sure. Ms. Whitehead, I am deeply saddened to continue to see you speak or tweet ill of our organization on public platforms. If you have questions about what we do, how we do it, or more importantly, if you have genuine concerns, we welcome a conversation. Please come meet with our team. We pride ourselves on being transparent with everything we do. However, this is nothing new to you as we have extended this same invitation to you several times before, starting back in 2016. You know that the door is open, but you still find it easier to tweet behind a screen how we put out damaging and inaccurate PR and how we are lying, those in quotes. We are two nonprofits trying to bring good into this world. Please, we ask that you stop this behavior. I look forward to hearing back from you so we can decide next steps. Hmm. See, that's the problem. When you write a complaint that so overstates the evidence that when you actually look at the evidence, you say, is this the same email that they were talking about? <laughs> okay. Yeah. It usually helps if you underplay your representations, if the evidence is actually even worse than the way you represent it. Just saying. Okay. We are more than halfway there. What time is it? Let me just check something here. Excuse me. I've been going steady for quite a while. Oh, we're an hour into it. I thought at least two. Okay. Well, we should be done with this at an hour and a half. That's going to be my goal. All right. So let me go back to where we are on that screen. The OUR representative. Oh, yeah, that's, um, who was that? Emily. <laughs> the OUR representative attached a screenshot. Okay. And, yeah, and this made her scared. After this huge traumatic conflict and stress with OUR before, Suzanne Whitehead decided to call her board to ask her direction on what to do. It was decided that she would ignore the email. Okay. A few days later, Ms. Whitehead's board chair got a disturbing phone call and text from a person named Vess Pearson. It's like Art Vandalay. <laughs> a text from a person named Vess Pearson, V-E-S-S, -S, Pearson, saying he wanted to talk about her organization. Okay. Um, Ms. Whitehead was trying to stay positive that perhaps it was a new opportunity for a donation or partnership. Her supervisor worried it was someone sent from OUR. Vest Pearson claimed he had a lot of money that maybe he would be willing to donate to Ms. Whitehead's organization, but that his funding would depend on if they could figure out a way to work together and could come to an agreement about 
her agreeing to stop talking bad about another place he donated to, which was OUR. <laughs> this is such Keystone Cops. I mean, this is it Alma Chapter 11 where they have the whole thing about the Ezram and I will give you five aunties to deny the existence of a Supreme Being. <laughs> Woo. All right. Uh, so he says, yeah, he says to uh, Suzanne Whitehead, who's been dissing and being a problem for OUR and Tim Ballard because of the things she says publicly. Um, hey, look, I got all this money. You know, I'd like to give it to your organization, but there's this other organization I give a lot. And so you are Tim Ballard, you know, and maybe we could figure out a way to work together. So you quit uh, saying bad things about them and I'll give you some money. How do you think? <laughs> okay. Mr. Pearson Vess to his friends said that he refused to stand back and watch Ms. Whitehead try to destroy OUR's good name. Boy, does that sound like a, church slash corporation you know okay so here's Vess pearson as opposed to Vess parker <laughs> so apparently this is uh Vess pearson uh with tim ballard at stonehenge or someplace and uh so they're close okay mr pearson repeatedly kept texting and calling Ms. Whitehead's supervisor for weeks, demanding that he speak with her and fix the problem. And if they could not come to an agreement with OUR, OUR would be forced to highlight Ms. Whitehead and her organization in their new documentary as villains against the cause and explain to the world that, that she, Ms. Whitehead, had evil motives and hated children. You know, as outrageous as that sounds, I believe it. <laughs> That's what they do. That's what all their followers do. It's the perfect scam we're gonna save kids from the worst possible thing in the world and therefore if you say anything bad about us that's because you like the child traffickers you probably are a child trafficker yourself it's the perfect scam um and people actually go along with that it's just like uh, to criticize him to say anything negative to look at him sideways it's blood in the water and the sharks will gather Mr. Pearson said that Ballard had shown him all of Ms. Whitehead's previous complaints about OUR and that she was at fault and had to be stopped. At this point in time, just as described by Ballard on his podcast, Sean Reyes went to work to silence her by intimidation that he had access to even the President of the United States. Okay. Well, this is now has a quote from a podcast. Thank you for when we get back home. You run interference for us. That has nothing to do with Suzanne Whitehead, the plaintiff, I don't think. Okay, I think these are more confusing than helpful at this point. Uh, at that point in time, what they're saying is Sean Reyes went to work to silence Ms. Whitehead by intimidation that he had access to even the President of the United States. Okay, what evidence do you have of that? Um Ms. Whitehead's supervisor, who is not a Utah resident, then received a call from Sean Reyes. Her supervisor did not answer, so Sean Reyes texted him saying he wanted to talk about finding a way to work together, which is the common repeated, fr repeated phrase in all exchanges with OUR threats. <laughs> okay. I'm sorry. 
But I think you can see what's going on here is that if you're going to say that if you text that hopefully we can find a way to work together, that that is a threat. That's what that's the argument they're trying to make there. And because this is the way this is like code that OUR has. Anytime they're going to threaten someone, they say, hey, we'd like to see if we can find a way to work together. That's the threat. Okay. Um, not one of their better paragraphs. Let's move on. Um, let's see. So here's the here's the the text. This is Utah Attorney General Sean Reyes. I tried to call, but voicemail is full. Would love to talk for a few minutes about how we can work together more on the anti-human trafficking fight. Just came back last night from the White House and many discussions about the fight. Please let me know if you have some time tonight or tomorrow. I really hope that, and it says best, Sean. I hope that his saying, I just came back from the White House, wasn't interpreted above in his complaint as uh, he had access to even the President of the United States. Oh, gosh. Okay, I'm really hoping that this gets better. Okay, so now Elizabeth, uh, <laughs> Elizabeth, Suzanne Whitehead, Ms. Whitehead's supervisor was again contacted and harassed, harassed by Mr. Pearson, and her supervisor told him that he did not want to talk to him again until he talked to Sean Reyes. Mr. Pearson agreed that speaking with Sean Reyes would be a good idea and helpful to both sides. Okay. So Ms. Whitehead's supervisor tried to call Sean Reyes back a few times, but was never able to get on the phone with him. Once the text message was sent from the Utah Attorney General and the intimidation delivered. Did I miss the intimidation? Did you see it? I wasn't seeing any intimidation there. But maybe that's because I don't know the secret code that's used to intimidate and send threats by OUR. All right. Once the text message was sent from the Utah Attorney General and the intimidation delivered, Sean Reyes never called Ms. Whitehead's supervisor back. Okay. Uh, Pearson, again, this is Vess. Vess Pearson, again, uh, attacking Ms. Whitehead to her supervisor, emphasizing that the White House was involved and was aware of her antagonism antagonism to OUR. So this is Pearson, Bess Pearson, uh, whom they're, I guess, assuming is acting at the behest of Tim Ballard. Uh, let's see what the text says. Sounds good. Yes, speaking with Sean would be a good idea and helpful to both sides. I believe he's a great guy. Okay. Have you been able to speak with blank? Point is that the White House is now aware of this rescue and may meet with the survivors. They are also aware of her antagonism. Why are they blocking that out if her name is Suzanne Whitehood and we know Whitehead and we all know that? Okay. They're also aware of Suzanne Whitehead's, it must be antagonism to OUR during the rescue. Excuse me, horrible timing. We also have meetings with Joe Berlinger next week and we'll drive home the timing of Suzanne's attacks. OUR is whatever. Okay. All right. Pearson contacted. Uh, Ms. Whitehead to emphasize that he had the White House, as also claimed by Sean Reyes, and Utah's Attorney General ready to crush plaintiff and impede her using the legal process to bring her refugee husband to the United States. Well, that would be a bad thing to do. At this point in time, I'm sorry, I'm having more and more difficulty accepting the allegations as written here at face value. Okay. The it's the attorneys. It's not the, It's not uh, Suzanne Whitehead. I want to make it clear. I'm not blaming her, but the attorneys are overstating their case to the point where they've made it clear to the reader that we can't trust what they have to say. The best briefs are ones where 
over time and reputation, a judge knows that if he reads it in your brief or she reads it in your brief, that's the facts. And the when the facts come out, they're not going to vary from that. This kind of writing and presentation has a tendency to have lawyers lose credibility in front of the judiciary because now they can't take their word for it and they have to go over the evidence with a fine-tooth comb just to see if what they're telling them is legitimate. All right. At this point in time, uh, Ms. Whitehead was humiliated and scared by Tim Ballard and Sean Reyes as she was deprived of her First Amendment right of free speech in declaring that Tim Ballard and OUR were frauds and had exploited people she personally knew and loved. Deprived of free speech? Huh. Okay. Maybe a chilling impact on it. Maybe an infringement, possibly? Deprived. Overstated. It was then that uh, Ms. Whitehead heard of the Davis County investigation against OUR and that she may receive protection by joining the investigation. She was also multiple years into her husband's immigration case and waiting on the federal government so the threats of the White House were exceptionally emotionally traumatizing to continue being deprived of being with her partner and starting a family. There's, they're trying to make a hint up here that this um, delay of what should have been five to eight months, they said earlier, has been going on for years with her husband uh, getting him uh, through the paperwork to immigration and that this is somehow being done by uh, Sean Reyes in coordination with uh, Vess Pearson, possibly Tim Ballard. And so it's, I'm not exactly sure what they were doing in order to make that happen, right? She's made this veiled allegation, but I would like something with a little more meat on the bones. Plaintiff reached out to Davis County investigation team. She told them, let me look at this here a second, okay? This is um, some more text messages. And a lot of people are talking about them poorly, so I don't know why they're just coming after me, just that my personal opinion is that I don't like or trust them. The, per the people writing this are not identified. So it's not clear at all who's writing what to whom in this. So I'm not going to spend any more time on it. Ms. Whitehead reached out to the Davis County investigation team. She told them that she had been threatened for years about her experience with OUR and Tim Ballard's dishonesty, their attacks about her and what OUR was doing in Nepal and other countries such as Uganda, painting sheds, empty sheds. Oh. And of course, claiming to be rescuing children from child trafficking. And here's a text between, I guess it would be she, Suzanne, and Troy Rawlings, Davis County prosecutor and headed the investigation. Some more of those. Some more of those. The Davis County Attorney's Office issued a subpoena to Ms. Whitehead for her to provide certain documents and testimony relating to its investigation of OUR. At the same time, others who had made complaints against OUR and Tim Ballard, at least one critical and highly credible witness, began withdrawing their complaints based upon fear of retribution by OUR and Tim Ballard, thus impeding the Davis County investigation, right? There's allegations about an impeding of the investigation and threats or pressure being put on certain witnesses by Tim Ballard or his associates in order to get them not to cooperate. I paused there at a second when I was reading that because it says at the same time, others who had made complaints against OUR and Tim Ballard, that's plural, others, 
And then it says, at least one critical and highly credible witness, which is singular. So I don't want to be too pedantic, but it really isn't being pedantic. What it is, is I'm trying to understand it, and it's not written with sufficient clarity for me to do so. And sometimes I think maybe they meant something other than what they wrote, which may be the case here. At least one of whom is a critical and highly credible witness. Otherwise, there's just one witness that they know of, but they're talking about them in the plural, which would not be right to do. Okay. So they talk about withdrawing their complaints based upon fear of retribution. Ms. Whitehead was very worried about Sean Ray's involvement with the Davis County investigation, and her anxiety worsened as she learned that the documents in her report to Troy Rawlings were not found in the Davis County investigation files. Wonder what happened to him. Hmm. She became very nervous, which anxiety was justified as both Ms. Whitehead and Troy Rawlings were threatened with a lawsuit by OUR and Tim Ballard, and OUR and Tim Ballard hired a law firm in San Francisco to sue Troy Rawlings. Right. We covered that in an earlier lawsuit. Documents from OUR revealed that OUR and Tim Ballard were aware that the Davis County investigation had evidence that Ballard failed his CIA polygraph test, was on an unpaid in was was an unpaid intern at the CIA and was fired from the CIA. Okay. According to OUR's own internal documents, OUR and Tim Ballard were aware that eight different women had complained to the Davis County investigation that Ballard had engaged in sexual affairs with them. And once again, these aren't admissions. It's just they're aware that that information is part of the investigation. And we've read through these things before in a prior lawsuit, once again, being cut and pasted. According to OUR's own internal documents, OUR and Tim Ballard were aware that Catherine Ballard, Tim Ballard's wife, had tampered with witnesses to impede them from cooperation with the Davis County investigation. That would be bad if true. According to OUR's own internal documents, Troy Rawlings also believed that General Reyes was guilty of witness tampering. All right. But does he have any evidence to support that belief? According to OUR's own internal documents, Troy Rawlings alleged to have written communications from Sean Reyes to a witness requesting the witness not to cooperate with Rawlings in the investigation. Okay. If Troy Rawlings has a written communication from Sean Reyes to a witness requesting the witness, quote, not to cooperate with Rawlings in the investigation, unquote, then that could be very problematic. Although it's possible that when contextualized in what really happened, it has a different meaning altogether, as we've seen before, with quotes they've included. OUR went to its de facto general counsel, Sean Reyes, and asked that a special prosecutor be appointed to prosecute Troy Rawlings. Yeah, we've covered that too. Troy Rawlings went to Sean Reyes and informed him of OUR's threat to sue him, which Sean Reyes immediately informed Tim Ballard and OUR of Troy Rawlings' concerns and deemed Mr. Rawlings' statements as false. Even as more fraud complaints came into Sean Reyes, he would immediately send them to Tim Ballard on his personal email. Okay, yeah, now we're starting to get into really real problem territory where you are the attorney general, and of course, in your role as attorney general, your office gets complaints about various businesses throughout the state of Utah. That's one of the main things you do. And if you're getting complaints about a business that's in the state of Utah, and you happen to be really close pals with the guy who's president of this business, 
i.e. Tim Ballard, and then you forward the complaints that you're receiving to your office, to the person who's being complained about, yeah, I expect that could be very problematic. At this time, Tim Ballard was ignoring his in-house counsel's advice that what he was doing was illegal and unethical and could subject him to criminal liability from the Davis County investigation and the Department of Justice and instead was listening to the advice of Sean Reyes and others about his actions and what was appropriate. Given the power and magnitude of Sean Reyes' tentacles in all aspects of Utah law enforcement, government, the private sector, and the Mormon church, and his complete lack of willingness to defend the state of Utah and its citizens from the fraud that is Tim Ballard, the plaintiff was unable to exercise her constitutionally protected First Amendment free speech rights to speak the truth about the injustices perpetuated by OUR and Tim Ballard. Okay. So first cause of action is a 1983 First Amendment violation. Second cause of action, intentional infliction of emotional distress against all defendants. Third cause of action, negligent infliction of emotional distress against all defendants. Ah, second cause is intentional. Third is negligent inf infliction. Prayer for relief, jury demand, et cetera, et cetera. Okay. So there is the lawsuit. Uh, the newest lawsuit filed against Tim Ballard, the first lawsuit to be filed against Sean Reyes. The state of Utah. All right, so it's 121. I made it faster than I thought it was. Thank you for uh, sticking with me. I think that lawsuit was very fascinating, mostly in terms of the information that it did give us when it finally got around to giving us uh, actual factual information, or at least factual allegations about um, the involvement of Sean Reyes with Tim Ballard. So we will see how this develops. And if some of those allegations actually pan out to be true, they could be quite problematic for Sean Reyes. Ultimately, this First Amendment claim is, um, at first blush to me, less than impressive. But what are you going to do? You're going to file your lawsuit. You're going to go through the process. You're going to go through discovery. You're going to go through depositions. And then if it is not dismissed at a preliminary motion for on summary judgment, which I'm not saying will happen with this case, but I'm just saying that if I were a betting man, yeah, I'd put a little money on that happening. <laughs> then it goes to trial and a jury gets to decide. And that's the beauty of the system. All right. So thank you, everybody, so much for watching this show. Please hit like, please hit subscribe. I think I'm getting, <laughs> I am, excuse me. I'm getting hoarse. And there I've got Mormonism live tomorrow night. Bill will never forgive me. All right, if you'd hit like, hit subscribe, leave a comment, even if it's just to say that you left a comment, it all helps with the algorithms, I understand. So once again, that's about all for tonight. Until next time, this is Radio Free Mormon signing off the air.